0: these little books that we're working through. Um, So the way this series is designed is there's six Sunday messages and then there's six midweek meetings that follow after that. So most of the home groups, the small groups will happen on a Tuesday night in in homes and online and then there's the, the youth on a Friday. Those will run as a one week and then in the book as well there are 36 days of devotion. So designed six for every week so you get one day off a week or to catch up if you miss that or if you don't want to do it on Sunday because you're coming early to serve that's also fun Um, so that's how the book is designed to be used Uh, we'll go through that so if you've got your book turn over to page 4 the pages are numbered at the bottom Um, only page 4 starts and it looks like that so page 4 is a blank one on uh, your left side and that is says Sunday notes at the top so that's for taking notes for for Sunday and there's two ways of taking notes you can either try and write down everything i say or you can listen and write down what you feel god is saying to you in the important moments okay or you can draw pictures okay um there we go and then on the other side is the space with the fill in the blank side that is for the midweek group that's for the midweek meetings all right so don't worry about that if you feel we don't get to any of those today it's on purpose we're not meant to get to those so each each week will be like that. So then, page five, will the uh, page six and seven will then be next week, and so on and so on. If you then uh, are part of one of the midweek groups, and by the way, it's not too late to join those. You can still sign up for those. And uh, if you want to be, if you live far out or you're unable to make it, we do have an online group as one of the one of the five or six. Yeah. Okay. You then are going to uh, enjoy the midweek group's discussion. And then if you go over to page. 17 it's a yellow page that says week 1 alright so that's the start page 17 that's the start of the daily devotions obviously it starts actually on on day on page 18 okay so that's where you're gonna go page 18 week 1 and then you'll see each week there's another page that says a yellow page just to divide it up so you know where you're at for page 2 okay good so you all get an idea if you're unsure join a midweek group and ask somebody in a small group to, to show you and, and help you get along to where that where you're supposed to be in that. Then, right back to the beginning, uh, on the very very first page inside the front cover is uh, the Ephesians chapter 1 out of the NRV. And the reason that's there is because that's pretty much what this series is built around, is what God says to us through Ephesians chapter 1 as Paul writes his letter to the church in Ephesus. And then on page 2 is the Identity Creed Again, built out of Ephesians chapter 1. We'll go through that at the end of today. Don't worry too much about that. Okay, you're all good with that? We're all happy and ready? Yes. Makes, pretty, makes sense. If you've been a part of the other series, real simple, works the same. So if you've got your books, you can crack on over to page 4, where you're going to take some notes. And um, <clears throat> we're going to dive right in. And the title for this morning is Identity Gap. The Identity Gap. And you know, when you, if you've ever been um, on the tube in London or if you've seen it in movies, there's that little voice that is in a very welcoming voice, says, mind the gap. If, you, if you've been there, you'll know it. Yep. So it's quite a... And uh, what it is, is, it's, it's between where we are now and, and where we should be, there's a gap. And uh, we need to be mindful of that. And so this morning, we're going to look at the identity gap that we all have to a certain degree. And... If we're going to go by a picture, and, and you, can, you can start drawing the picture. It'll be finished in three slides, and then you'll know what you're going to draw. So you might, some of you might want to wait until like, you've got all three, and then you can sketch it out properly. But it's, um, that if, if we imagine our identity as God sees us, as one circle. So that's the fullness of who you are in the yellow circle there. So that's how God sees you. Okay, seems pretty simple. You're like, yes, I get that. God sees me in a certain light. Remembering that God is our maker. He's our creator. God is infinite in His wisdom and His knowledge. Nothing is beyond Him. We can hide nothing from Him. He sees everything. He knows who we are. So God sees perfectly your identity. And then the next slide, we add another circle. And we get what we see of ourselves. So we get the yellow one is what God sees, God's truth. And then the white circle is... Is what I believe about me. What I believe about my identity. This is my truth. But we all know that just because we believe something doesn't make it true, yeah. And just because we don't believe something doesn't make it untrue. But if you if you would imagine that circle, um, there's some in that circle that overlaps, and there's some that sticks out. And as a father, sometimes your kids come home from school or from whatever it might be, and they come home and, and they'll, I mean, if you can imagine, a little girl comes home from school and she goes, Dad, I, I'm really, you know, I, I, I've got no friends and I'm ugly and uh, I don't, and he's just like, that's not true. That is, I know you and I know who you are and I, I know what other kids look like and you are not ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and so you see the truth in your child and you've got to speak that truth and it's, and that, so that, that, that white part that's slightly outside that's the part that she believes about herself, that little girl. But the yellow part is the part the father sees, and, and that's the truth of the matter, is that you're not ugly. I know who you are. And so there's parts that overlap and parts that don't. But God sees God's truth, and what we see as our truth, and what we believe. So if we go to the third, just to make it easy, we're going to put some numbers in the, in there so we can reference it easily in the segments. But if we look at the at those three segments, so, so segment one right in the middle, this is... This is God's truth about ourselves that we have come to believe is true. So this is the part that is the sweet spot. This is the part where what what God says about us, what His truth is, and what we believe overlap. And we're like, yes, I agree with you, God. God says, whatever it might be about you. And you say, yes, I get that. That's me. I understand, Lord. And you've got it. And this is a... This is a beautiful thing. And, and when God speaks those things to you and, and when you, and the more that grows, the more your life changes, the more profound that thing becomes of how God sees us and God speaks to us. Segment two is the part in the yellow circle. That's the part that God says is true of me, but I don't believe yet of me. And hopefully some of that is going to come up in this series on identity. And you're going to go, hey, that's that's good. And some of that, in, in section two, by the way, in segment two, might be stuff that you know God says about his child or his children, you, but you don't believe it for you. You think, oh, that's true of other people in the church. That's true of, maybe maybe that's true of Steve and not of me. So we're going to, it, it might be something you know and you've read, but it's not something that you believe. And that's hopefully where we're going to get some some change going, some transformation. And segment, segment three is the things that I believe now about myself, but that are lies. Actually, they're not truth. The reason we know they're lies because they're not God's truth. So those are the lies that we believe about ourselves. Maybe someone has spoken things over you all your life. Oh, you just you just no good. You know, you just you you can't play ball sports. And you're like, okay, well I guess I can You know, my mom says I can't play ball sports. I guess I can't play ball sports. You just believe what it is. You know, when I was a kid. It wasn't a truth, it was the exact opposite. I, I was trying to think in preparing for this, like, I was trying to think, like, maybe I, I complained and I said, like, like, I can't do that, I can't do that. I'm no, like, because I, I remember vividly from about the age of eight till about the age of 10 or 11, I had a nickname, it was PC, from my parents and my, my great aunt who lived with us. And it was perfectly capable. My parents said, I don't know, maybe I was like, they would, they would be like, hey, why don't you go do this? And I would, out of my laziness, just say, don't oh, no, I can't do that. Because they were constantly saying, "You are perfectly capable to go and do that. You can do it," and it, it, it's amazing. So I don't remember the complaining. I'm just maybe, maybe I didn't complain. Maybe I was a model child. <laughs> but um, don't laugh like that. But the lies we believe about ourselves. So, but what that did, what that, what those things did for me, was it spoke into me a, a, an, an incredible sense of. Having a go at it, of being, like, if you ask me, can I do anything? Yes, I just haven't learned how yet. Can you can you climb it, you know, top of the tree? Yes. I'll just have to figure it out. <laughs> but in the in the same vein, we often believe lies about ourselves. When people say things, that they're like, Man, you're just undisciplined. You you could never read six days devotional in a week. You, you're never going to get through all six. You're just an undisciplined person. And some of those are lies we believe about ourselves. And so hopefully during this during this next series, we're going we're to try and squash those two circles together and try and increase the size of segment one. That's what we want to do. We want to get rid of some of the lies, understand some more of God's truth, and allow some, some transformation to take place. But the identity gap is the difference between what we believe about ourselves and what God says of us. So the identity gap is number two. That's the gap in our identity because that is, that is who God says we are, but we don't yet believe it about ourselves. And for some of us, that identity gap might be massive. You may, you may not know anything about what God says. You, you know, you're know like, what? God says stuff to me? I thought he was just angry in the Old Testament with the Malachites and the Hivites. And the, I thought he was just into taking land and stuff. No, no, friends. God speaks to each and every one of us. And he knows you. He made you fearfully and wonderfully. He put you together. He knit you together. Have you ever tried knitting? I got photos. I, I learned to knit when I was young. I got, I got photos. The first one is me dumping the knitting stuff because I didn't want the photo, but I got my mom got. But knitting is quite hard. It takes time. And like, it's quite intricate, and it's finicky, and got And that's what God does with us. Slowly, He forms you and He makes you. And so God knows each and every one of us perfectly. And He speaks to us of our identity. Some of it is common, but some of it is individual and purpose for you. And so this week, we want to shift those two circles together. We want to to be saying, Father in heaven, we want to understand what you believe about us. And we want your truth to become our truth. We want to be transformed at 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 a heart level and become who you say we are. Live in that truth of who God says we are. Back to the story of that little girl coming home. You know, she's she, sometimes we, 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 we allow the world to put stuff on us. And she's that little girl who comes home and says, man, I'm ugly, I'm no good, I've got no friend. That, she is not like that because other people say that. And I, I need to be clear about this. You are not who other people say you are. Other people can help you understand who you are, but they cannot determine who you are. They do not, they do not give you your identity. Your identity is something you get from God. But when we believe those lies, we behave accordingly. And it's incredible, you know, as a parent, you're very tempted to say to your child, man, stop doing stupid things. There's a difference between saying, stop doing stupid things, and you are stupid. There's a difference between saying, man, you're such a naughty child, all the time you're naughty. You speak that over your kid, I promise you they're gonna live up to that expectation because they're like, oh, well, that's me. And it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy because they start to believe lies about themselves. And very often for us as adults, our poor behavior results from poor beliefs. Our poor behavior results from that identity gap where we believe things that are wrong about ourselves. Where we have, and, and you can have a look, in almost every area of your life if there's, where there is some level of dysfunction, and, and we all have it, areas of our lives that are dysfunctional, there is a, a wrong belief that you, have, that you hold about yourself that is feeding that dysfunction. And if you can, we, we often try and address the dysfunction. We try and address the problem. The, the, we, we, we address the, the symptom. We don't get to cure the cause. But when we get our identity right, it sorts out the problems and we get We change the patterns. My poor beliefs lead to poor behavior. So if we change our beliefs, if we can alter what we believe about ourselves, our behavior will naturally change. Romans 12 verse 2, Paul writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us are sitting on our butts waiting for God to do it. And God does do it sometimes. And He does change things. But we also have to partake in it. It's the beauty of our discipleship and our walk with God is that it's not one-sided. He doesn't force it on us. He invites us on a journey. And we must, as we spend time with Jesus, get to know Him and He will speak to us of who we are. We can then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind gets renewed through Scripture and through the, through God's truth speaking to us of who we are. Our key Bible, uh, key Bible verse for the whole series is going to be um, Ephesians, out of Ephesians chapter 1, and it's really going to be mostly the first eight verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. You can use the front of your workbook, or you can turn over there in your Bibles. Um, but it is, it, it is important, and, and I want to encourage you. Read it over and over again as you go through your small groups, as you go through your daily devotions. Read that, read that Ephesians chapter 1, because there's some incredibly profound things in there. We're going to read the first part together. And Paul writes this. He says, Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Some of you just might find that strange, but it is it actually makes a heck of a lot of sense to put who the letter's from. So Paul was writing the letter, but he puts his name first. You see, we modern day we put our the name of the person who wrote it at the end. But sometimes like you read the whole thing and you don't know who wrote you this letter, and then you get to the end like, oh, it's that person makes more sense and you've got to go back and read it again. But so in Greek times the custom was just to put your name the from at the beginning. Okay, so that's why it's there. It's not to Paul, it's it's from Paul. So he says, Paul, and then he identifies who he is, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. See, he already understands that part of who he is as an apostle is by the will of God. It's not his own thing. He's not like woke up one day and didn't like tent making anymore and thought, man, I'm going to go and be an apostle. This tent making is hard on my hands. I really just actually want to travel the world, see the world a little bit, and so I'm going to become an apostle. That would have been... A segment three belief and he says i understand that by the will of god i'm called to be this thing so he's in segment two on that one to god's holy people in ephesus the faithful in christ jesus grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Heck of a lot in there. Just in those eight verses. There's a, there's a lot in there that he says of us. There's some big words. There's some big ideas and some big theological concepts in there too. But in essence, Paul is telling us what is in circle one, the yellow, the full circle. So segments one and two of the diagram up there. He's telling us what is in that segment, what God says about every single one of us. And this is some of God's amazing truth about you and me. We're going to run through some of it. I am. Can you say I am? One of God's holy people. Verse 1, right in there. One of God's holy people. I am one of God's holy people. You know, we might think, man, this is, this is not me. Holy, somebody else is holy. Maybe, maybe Dave's super holy. Dave sits and worship all day long, every day of the week at home. That's how he prepares for Sundays. And that's why it's so good when he worships. You say, man, Dave's holy. But me, I'm, I'm not one of God's holy people. You know, in the past there, we, Paul sometimes refers to the church, he refers to people in the church as saints. And you think, man, he must be talking to like a select few. Like maybe an, an Alex and a Nick and a, a Jason. And it's just like there's some, there's some saints. We've got some saints in our church. We're, we're okay. We've got some good ones. But the rest of us, we, we're not really saintly. And even in our modern language, we've, we've kind of, we've got there with the thing of like, oh, yeah, that person's a real saint. And, and unfortunately, through church history, that, yeah. that, um, that, and I think I'm actually preaching part of Dave's sermon here. But um, the, there's been the unhelpful thing where, where saints have been considered someone like super holy. You know, in the formal mainline church, the Catholic church, started it with if you wanted to become a saint, you had to, you had to be dead at a certain time and you had to have done certain things. And like you were like, you know, there's only, you've heard of St. Peter and St. Paul and St. this, and in our time, um, Mother Teresa was made a saint, and so you're like, okay, so that's like the level, that's the saints. But when Paul, the, the biblical truth, when Paul says to the saints, he's speaking to all of us, speaking to everyone, he's calling you all saints. He's saying, You are God's holy people. And if this is the truth you don't believe about yourself, I want to encourage you go and explore what it is about you. Why is there that dysfunction that says, Man, I'm not holy? Because if you're not holy, the only way you're not holy is if you're not saved. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't put your faith in Christ on the cross to say, Jesus died on the cross for me. Because the moment you do that, justification happens. You are washed clean. Tetelestai. It is declared finished. Your sins are paid. Paid in full. You are holy. It is the scandal of the gospel. I said it last week. It's an incredible thing to know who you are as a person and to know your flaws and your failures. Confessions of a pastor. I got really angry with my kid this morning because he hit a ball into my foot while I was walking. I was like, I was way too angry for what I should have been for just hitting a ball in my foot. But and I've got to go, I am holy. Didn't feel very holy in that moment. But God says, I am holy. Not because of who I am. You see, the danger in the identity is us trying to make ourselves live that identity whereas God says no no this is the truth I believe about you you are holy the next one blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ verse 3 manna love if we believe that about ourselves we would have a lot less groping and struggling and fighting for nice things and the next promotion and the next pay rise blessed with every spiritual blessing can you say every Say it like you mean it. Every, every, every. <laughs> every spiritual blessing in Christ. Unfortunately, we wanna we wanna limit blessing, and, and in our modern times, of the spread of this vile prosperity gospel, we limit blessing to finances. But Paul is saying it's, it's, this part really nice because it's clear. He it says spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's an incredible thing, friend. What? How would your life? How would you live your life differently? if you truly believe that about yourself. And before you get out of bed in the morning, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've been blessed with it. Blessed. Blessed. Not earned. Blessed. Given as a gift. Before you've done anything. You are chosen before the creation of the world. You were chosen in Christ. Man, just nice to be chosen. If you ever try to qualify for a sports team and you get chosen man that chest comes out you walk a little bit more upright the halo shines a bit brighter but on the other hand most of us feel like a playground team where you pick the two strongest kids as captains and then they pick one 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 and you're like one of the last two standing there and the captains are like well which one do you want because it doesn't really matter which one you you guys pick you guys just choose, like don't like do you guys weren't really and that's what we feel like we feel like we're not chosen we feel like we're the last two standing one of the last two standing there and you're not chosen but god says you are chosen he says i've picked you i have chosen you that is an incredible thing that the god of the universe knows me well enough and still chooses me he says i choose you before the creation of the world before the foundation of the world today, I choose you. It is a beautiful thing. You are chosen by God. Or adopted. It says that we are adopted in verse 5. To be adopted. We've preached on this a number of times. But to be adopted is an incredible thing. This hits home for me a little bit different. Because we've obviously adopted. This is a part of our family story. How Seth came to be a part of our family. But that adoption is... You know, there's some incredible stuff that goes through adoption that if, you, if you've never been through it, you won't know. Aside from the, the fight with the government there is, a, and various government departments to adopt the child, there's some, there's some beautiful things that happen. That child gets a completely new identity number. It's the only way to change your identity number is to be adopted. It's incredible in our country. That's the only way you can change your ID number is you, is you get adopted. You get a whole new birth certificate, whole new ID. The, the old identity is gone, lost in the depths of some previous home affairs online system, never to be retrieved again. Truly lost. Truly lost. But our new identity is there. And that that adoption, us, us being adopted, do you know that when you adopt a child, that child has no say in their adoption? That child has zero say in whether they get adopted. It's the parents who choose. And in the same way, as we are adopted by God, God has chosen us to be, not just to be on His team, not just to work for Him, but to be a part of His family. You see, the concept that Paul was talking about here was a little bit foreign to Jews, but it was common to Romans and, and Roman law, where often if, a, if a, a family or a man didn't have children, or if he, if he had um, maybe a slave who worked for them, children, or a, a young person who worked as a slave or indentured labor in their home, he would adopt that child into be a part of that family. So it was quite common under Roman laws and understanding, and that child would then get full rights as an heir to that household. Full rights, complete. You are a child of God, adopted. You have full rights. This is why the Bible calls us co-heirs with Christ, because everything that is Christ, as the Son of God is ours. Incredible. Again, how would, if we could squash those circles together, how would you live differently knowing you're adopted? Seth lives like a giraffe because that's what he is. That's who he is. He is no different. He is my son and he will always be my son. Doesn't matter what he chooses. It's, it's me that gets to choose that. He can get angry with me and he doesn't, but he could. And say, oh. According to me, you are my son. And in this house, we behave like this. This is how we are as a family. What do we believe about ourselves? Do we believe that we are adopted into the house of God? Or are we still working for God? Are we trying to earn our place in the family? Are we thinking, man, I'm going I'm to lose some of my inheritance if I don't... You are adopted, friends, into the house of God. Forgiven. You are forgiven in Christ. Grace is lavished on you, verses seven and eight. I love that one. Lavished—it's such a cool word—that grace is lavished on you. You know, it's kind of like when you're eating meat, chicken. It's a little bit dry, and you like, and you pour on loads of gravy, it just like spills down all over. It. And then for pudding, you have like a nice thick slice of white bread with butter and more gravy on it. When I was growing up, we used to be pudding sometimes. It it's amazing, because we love breadies. But that's the that's the picture I get. Is it's just lavished? It's just overflowing. This is what God has done with you. That there's there's grace that God has lavished over you. Wherever you go, it's like gravy running down over your head, pouring off over you. Wherever you there's footprints of grace gravy as you walk. It's, it's more than what you need. It's extravagant. You're going, God, like this is this is ridiculous. And He's going, Yes, I want to lavish. How would you live different yeah. if that if you believed that about yourself? God has lavished grace upon you, lashings of grace all over you. Those are just a few things on the list. And those things, friends, those things are 100% true of you and me if we are in Christ. But the sad part is even though we know it, many of us only believe a fraction of those things. Truly, truly believe. We only believe a fraction of those things. That segment one, we wanna grow that, we wanna get that segment one bigger, we wanna overlap those circles. And you know, you know how I know that most of us don't have a very big segment one, where we believe that 100% about ourselves? Because when we face times of trouble and hardship and pain, unanswered prayer, or we go through things where people miff us off, usually in church, I apologise if it was me, and we get bewildered, and we get a bit down, and we get some doubts, and we get some fears, and someone does something, and maybe you, maybe you got saved. And I remember for me, early on, I was passionate. I loved, and I was keen. I was in everything. I was so excited. I served in the sound desk, and I got, we got involved in church. It's like it's the, I mean, that's the rite of passage. If you come through the sound desk, if you can handle that, you can handle anything in church. And coming through, I remember I was a year, maybe two years in, maybe it wasn't even that long, and I really started to get miffed with things that were going on. I started to get more involved in church and see stuff. I was like, man, this is not right. This is how we do it. And it was just, it was a time of trouble for me. And there were a lot of doubts that popped up around false beliefs that I had. Doubts around, do you really believe? Was that just like an emotional thing? You know, was it just a or do you actually believe in, in, in what you say you believe? In? Are you going to live it out? And, and we, we all have to go through that at certain moments. We ask questions like, does God really love me? Why has God forgotten me? See, as soon as we go through the hard things and those questions start popping up and we start thinking those thoughts, that's, the, that's where you've got to recognize it and go, man, that's a poor belief I hold about myself. That is a segment three lie. That is not a segment one or a segment true truth. Segment two, truth. We struggle with guilt or feeling ex- accepted. We don't feel like we are unconditionally loved. All segment three lies. And i got to, again, most of our problems come from segment three. Come from living out of a place of lies that we misunderstand about ourselves. Because yeah. you see, as soon as that happens, see, what happens is, is when we live in that place where we go, man, uh, I'm not unconditionally accepted by God. Let's take that as an example. What, do you, what is the first thing you're going to do out of that lie? Is you're going to put on a mask so that people think you, you think people think you're nicer than you are, and you're going to try and work for the approval of God. You're going to constantly be working for the approval of God. Everything in life teaches us do work, get a reward. Do work, get a reward. Eat your food, get pudding. Work your month, get a salary. It's how we, we're conditioned. God says, that might be true in some circles, but it's not true of you. Not true of your acceptance in me. How would you live different if you believed you were unconditionally accepted by God? And we can ask that for any, many, many of the other ones. So, how do we how do we get transformed? How do we squeeze those circles together? How do we grow our section one, segment one, so that where what God says of us is true and what we believe grows and overlaps? I want to read two verses out of Ephesians. Verses 17 and 18. Paul writes this. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I want you to underline or highlight the word revelation and the word enlightened. Word revelation and the word enlightened. Now, those two words, they mean a similar thing. And they essentially mean that the light bulb would switch on in our hearts. I love that moment as when you're trying to explain something to people and where you, and, and the teachers will know it when you're showing someone something and they all of a sudden you see the eyes light up and they're like, I got it, I get it. Yeah, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You can do Pythagoras for the rest of your life. And they're like, it works. I can always work it out. It's amazing. I don't know how it works, but it works. Some simple things like that, but sometimes we need to figure those things out in our heart. And that light bulb needs to come on. And that's a revelation. That's an enlightenment. That's a, that's a God speaking to our hearts and us opening our hearts to believe the truth of God. That is the primary way that we get to change what we believe. The renewing of our mind comes about through revelation and enlightenment. If you ever walked into a dark room and kicked something by mistake, load shedding increases your chances of this because there's no ambient light around and um, in our house we've got a, a short little passage which is real wide as passages go and in that passage there's a, a low wooden box that keeps some linen in it and normally that low wooden box is on if I'm walking to the bedroom it's on the left hand side of the passage but occasionally we have puppies in a, a, a room on the right hand side of the spare it's like an office room and that low wooden box is kept on the right side so the door can be open but the puppies stay in the puppy room and um Early on, we haven't had the puppies very long, we have periodically puppies, but sometimes I have to get up in the dark of the night and I avoid the box on the left side of the passage. And unfortunately, the box is no longer on the left side of the passage and it's on the right. And uh, it, it manages, that box is perfectly designed to get both my toes and my lower shin bone at the same time, simultaneously. And in that moment, in the dark, I learned certain languages that you can speak now. Um, in in the midnight hour um, and all we need but you know that that doesn't happen when the outside lights of the house are on because there's enough ambient light coming in through windows and things that are oh the box is in the wrong place and I don't have to walk into it you see when we walk into a dark room you can fumble around and cupboards are the most dangerous things in dark rooms if you're walking to a cupboard Because you walk with your hands out. But if that cupboard door is facing straight at you, this is also a personal experience. It comes in between your outstretched arms so that you're not walking into things. But with a little bit of light, we don't kick our toes, we don't bang our shins, we don't catch a cupboard in the nose. And that's what we need. We need the light of God's revelation in our heart so that we can understand that as we walk through life, We can see the pitfalls. We can see the things that we don't believe. The the wrong things that we believe about ourselves that are going to trip us up. Flick the light switch on. And there's one who helps us flick that light switch on. It's the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you in this week, through the daily devotions, as you go through them, ask the Holy Spirit. Speak to me about where I am blind, where there is darkness. Bring light, bring revelation, bring enlightenment into my heart. Show me, Lord, where I believe three, and I should be in one. Show me where I understand two, but I don't believe. It should be in one belief about myself. See, we go through life, and it seems confusing. But God wants to help us. He wants to flick that switch of His truth in our lives and to show us. But to get there, the key in getting there is to understand that there's a gap in our identity that we have that identity gap that there is a difference between who i believe i am and and who god says of myself in order to to fully benefit from that we have to be willing to acknowledge that i might not know everything about myself if you've ever done personality tests or you've looked at that there's the johari window those four window panes and there's what i know and what nobody else knows and what i know and everybody else knows and what everybody else knows and what i don't know and there's and there's the window where it's like But I don't know, not everybody else doesn't know. Friends, God knows in that thing as well. Even the stuff, this whole side of the window that you don't know about yourself. God knows when he speaks that stuff. You've got to acknowledge that it's there. You've You've got to be real and understanding that between segments two and three, there is an identity gap that we have that we need to change through the renewing of our minds. Over the next five weeks, we're going to delve into five topics um, five big topics on Sundays and the midweek talks that are going to be I am a child I am a saint I am a citizen and I am an ambassador those are what the next five weeks are going to be about as we come and look at what God says about our identity and we go how does how does what I believe miss and how can I get it to line up and the 36 daily devotionals are going to line up with even more truth from Ephesians chapter 1 so so here's what I'm going to ask you to do for us all to to pray a prayer out of Ephesians chapter 1. We don't often do it in um, our style and our way of doing church, but in many of the mainline churches and denominations, they often the church says prayers together that are up on the screen. So we're going to try it. We're not going um, full that route, but we're just going to try it. Some of you have come out of those traditions and you understand it. Those who don't, just read along with us. So we're going to read that prayer out of Ephesians chapter 1, please say. That one. You with me? you all see it? Start of Ephesians 1 17 and 18. You ready? Makes me a bit nervous. Everybody's kind of looking down. I'm not going to read this out loud. (laughs) Read the one that's on the screen. I can see the fingerprints. What else is on the screen? Come closer. All right, let's pray. With your eyes open and reading. May you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened. There's a simple prayer for you this week, and you can, you can hang on to that. It comes out of uh, 17 and 18. And I want to ask you, turn to, chapter, uh, so turn to page 2 in your books, that Identity Creed. And again, I'm going to do something that we're not quite used to here. I'm just going to read this out. You can read along with me. Um, you don't have to read out loud, but you can if you want to. Um, I just want to read this over you. And as we read this, just ask God. Say, Lord, what are... speak to me out of this. Maybe there's something that jumps out of it. Maybe there's a lot that comes to you. The Identity Creed. And it's written in the first person. So I'm just going to read it in the first person. I am a child of God. I am made in the image of God. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I was chosen by Him before the world began. I am loved more than I will ever know. My Father knows me. My Father cares for me. He takes great delight in me. I have been redeemed. I have been set free. I have been forgiven. I am a saint. I am loved in the beloved. I am designed and destined for great purposes in Him. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. I am God's holy temple. I am intended to live for His glory. Christ dwells in me. I am a new creation. I am a child of the light. I am part of a new family. I am precious. I am called. I am empowered. I am God's inheritance. I am a co-heir with Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I am dead to sin. I am alive to Christ. I am seated with him in heavenly places i am a child of god amen there's a lot in there and i want to encourage you to read that in the first person as you go through these if you're not part of a small group sign up there's still time um, the small groups will form whatsapp groups and you'll be in contact by that with times and meeting places and Make sure you get along to those. If you can't get along, catch up on your own. Uh, the videos are available, you can. There is a separate midweek video video that, that is coming out, and the discussion and the fill-in points will all be part of that. But let's commit, guys, for six weeks, it's all we're asking. Um, we're gonna be part of this. We're gonna do it as a church-wide thing. And I believe that what God's gonna do is he's gonna rectify some of that Segment 3 stuff that we have. And I, I think there's gonna be some profound renewal happening. Let's have, um, let's have some tea and coffee and cake. Amen.